Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. Tonight, I want to dedicate this episode to Jamal. I didn't know him very well, but from the conversations that we did have, and he was a very funny flirt, he flirted with me. Um, Best pecs in the business, isn't that right? Um, I wish I could have gotten to know him better, but from the times that I got to speak with him, He was funny, he was hilarious, and like I said, he was a flirt. So tonight, whatever film I talk about, it's dedicated to Jamal. May you rest in peace. May you wreak havoc as a spirit. And it sucks that you're going to miss Halloween. Because from what I saw, you had a wicked sense of humor and a wicked personality. And to the friends and family of Jamal... My sympathies, he will continue to make you laugh throughout the spirit world. Stay tuned, Dr. Seuss Film Podcast coming up. Good evening and welcome to the Dr. Seuss Film Podcast. Tonight, we're going to talk about the world of the nightmare before Christmas. And that, yes, if you're thinking about what's awaiting us in November, because that might just be the nightmare before Christmas. No, I'm talking about the 1993 film starring Chris Sarandon and Danny Elfman as Jack Skeleton, the Pumpkin King, Catherine O'Hara as Sally, a ragdoll scarecrow like Frankenstein. Um... William Hickey as Dr. Finkelstein. Glenn Shaddix as the mayor of town, of Halloween Town. And Ken Page as Oogie, Oogie Boogie. Yes. Ed Ivory as Santa Claus. And Paul Rubens as Luck. The Nightmare Before Christmas, directed by Tim Burton, you know, Beetlejuice and Batman. Actually, it was directed by Henry Selleck. But it was. The story was created by Tim Burton, so my mistake, but you know. What can we say about this? Well, for one, Disney kind of pussied out uh, when it came to this because Disney thought it would be too dark, so they released it under their parent company, Touchstone, and The Nightmare Before Christmas was seen as a stepchild to Disney. And then when the money started to come in, as usual, Disney said, Oh, but that is ours. No, because the merchandising. Yeah. It's a good film. As I stated today. This came out in 1993. So I was a teenager. I wasn't trying to watch The Nightmare Before Christmas. I love stop motion animation. But it wasn't until two years ago that I watched this. My niece wanted to watch it. I thought, okay. And I was, I'd always heard about it. You know, there's the Funko Pops, there's the dolls, there's the action figures, there's the backpacks. They have their own section at Hot Topic. Remember Hot Topic when you could go into the store? Yeah. The Nightmare Before Christmas is this legendary cult classic. I mean, it is, I can't, we can't feature any of the songs for copyright, you know? Um, I mean, I, I could get this by...
this is Halloween. That's that's as far as I'll go because I don't want the publishers coming after me. So, The Nightmare Before Christmas originated in a poem written by Tim Burton in 1982 while he was working as an animator at Walt Disney Productions. With the success of Vincent in the same year, Burton began to consider developing The Nightmare Before Christmas as either a short film or a 30-minute television special to no avail. Over the years, Burton's thoughts regularly returned to the project, and in 1990, he made a development deal with Walt Disney Studios production. Started in July of 1991 in San Francisco, Disney released the film through Touchstone Pictures because the studio believed the film would be too dark and scary for kids. The film met with both critical and financial success, grossing $89.1 million since its initial release and gathering a cult following. So, it's not just for kids. Like I said, there's Funko. Some of these Funko Pops are like $500. That's how much the value of The Nightmare Before Christmas is. There are backpacks. There are cakes. There are candies. Um, there are the blind bags. Kids love the blind bags. So do adults sometimes. <sighs> you know, we were watching The Nightmare Before Christmas I mean, for one, the music, you've got Ken Page singing the Oogie Boogie song, you know, the animation, the characters. It's hard to believe that Sally, that's Catherine O'Hara of Schitt's Creek, Beetlejuice, Home Alone, SVTV, you know, the legendary Canadian actress, Catherine O'Hara. Yes. Uh, As someone who grew up watching Beetlejuice and Home Alone. Home Alone was never really my favorite, but Beetlejuice, she plays a really good uh, Lydia, or not Lydia, Delia Dietz. You know, in the cartoon, I, I the cartoon's really different. But when it came to The Nightmare Before Christmas, she is totally unrecognizable voice-wise. So, you know, she did a really good performance. I had no idea that Chris Sarandon was the speaking part of Jack Skeleton. I always assumed it was Danny Elfman all the way. Now, if you don't know, Chris Sarandon used to be married to Susan Sarandon. So she just decided to take his name, you know, and has continued with it, you know. Rocky Horror Picture Show, Need I Say More. Also a Halloween-themed film. You know, this month we're talking about Halloween-themed films. Um... And, you know, last night we talked about The Shining. The Shining has a cult following. So does The Nightmare Before Christmas. Now, I had recorded a show where I was talking to the kids about The Nightmare Before Christmas. But then I decided I didn't want them on the show. And I asked their dad and he said no. I said, okay. So I have it put away for them. But, I, you know, I asked them. I said, wait, why do you like this movie? And they said, because it's silly. And then they started to sing the songs, you know, um, if it were up to my niece, every day would be Halloween. Um, I've, I've run into kids who all have that same feeling. Oh, it's so cool. You know, it's as if Halloween has taken on a new approach. It is even bigger than Christmas. Christmas now is about people finding that Black Friday deal. Okay. And the tree and everything. Halloween 
really, I think Halloween has really taken over because you can celebrate Halloween in your own mind anytime you want. Where with Christmas, people kind of look at you a little funny if you've still got the Christmas lights on the house. And if this tree is still up, it's like, oh God. That's like right out of a country song. In fact, there is a country song. I think it's um, Redneck Woman where she says, I keep my Christmas lights up all year long. That was a karaoke fan favorite of one of my friends. <sighs> the Nightmare Before Christmas also. A lot of my friends that I was in college with would always talk about The Nightmare Before Christmas. You know, it was a movie that so many of us grew up watching. I didn't grow up watching it, but I was aware of it. I was aware of the animation. I was aware of the enormity of The Nightmare Before Christmas. How grown-ups can watch it and they feel like kids again, you know? To have the this town called the town of Halloween and the trees too. You know how you have the different trees. You have Christmas town, Halloween town, Easter, Thanksgiving. You could, you could take a trip for a day and go to Halloween town or go to Easter town. You know, you wouldn't get ch tired of eating chocolate bunnies unless you're pinky in the brain. Uh, if, if some of you have remembered pinky of pinky in the brain in the nineties, what are we going to do tonight? Pinky? I don't know, but where can we find chocolate bunnies at this hour? Yeah, that's the stuff that's still in my brain. You know, upon watching The Nightmare Before Christmas, I, I immediately loved it. And here I am, a, a, an adult, kind of. Um, and I thought, whoa. And last year, I listened to the soundtrack for days leading up to Halloween. You know, I'd wake up early in the morning. I was house-sitting. I hate waking up early. I was waking up like at four or five, take a shower, and I'd get in the truck and put on the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack. Yes. And it kind of got me into the vibe. And then I started to understand why my niece and nephew like the film. And I thought, ah, now I understand. Because as I said earlier in the intro, in 1993, I was, what was I watching? probably the x-men cartoons playing video games like mortal kombat watching marrow's place yes you see while a lot of my contemporaries watched 90210 i felt that i wanted something a little more edgy and so i watched marrow's place so yes uh, and also because you know as a child of the 80s and I remember T.J. Hooker. It doesn't hurt when they put Heather Locklear in a really racy TV show. And I know we're supposed to be talking about The Nightmare Before Christmas, but that's kind of the r many reasons why I wasn't watching The Nightmare Before Christmas in 1993. I was 12. I wasn't trying to watch cartoons. Well, maybe X-Men. That's the exception. But, you know, um, so it really, it makes me laugh when people say, oh, you're just now watching it. You're kind of late to the party. I don't see it that way. And if you see it that way, you're already ready for your wheelchair and walker and your um, afternoon nap. You know, that's when people act a little older than they actually should be. I, I mean, I know people who, when they turned 30, they cried and... I only cried because I didn't have enough money, but I didn't, you know, I, I turning 30 is, it is what it is, you know, uh, there's some TMI things I could say that really 
were a lot better after you turned 30, but I'll leave it to the imagination, just like the nightmare before Christmas. It leaves everything to the imagination. And you know, a lot of my contemporaries want to get old, and I'm like, I never lost that child adventure wonderment side you know i wake up in the morning and i always look forward it's not like oh my god the 20s are gone or a lot of my friends who want to go back to high school and i'm like why you know uh why do you why do you want to go back this isn't you know um back to the future yeah we all remember that but the nightmare before christmas You know, 1993 was an interesting year. You had The Nightmare Before Christmas. You had Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus didn't do very well. Hocus Pocus really became successful as a cult following film. The Nightmare Before Christmas was immediately successful. And it became this tradition, almost like... The Grinch that stole Christmas, you know, because here the nightmare before Christmas, you've got two very popular holidays. Well, Halloween's not a holiday. It should be in my mind. Um, You have Halloween and Christmas mashed together. You've got candy, masks, trick or treat and Christmas trees and Santa Claus, you know. And you have ghouls and goblins and pumpkins. So it's it's everything's kind of mixed together. The great big melting pot. Or cauldron in, in the Halloween case, you know. But these films, I mean, they're amazing. You look at something like Coco. Coco, which is about family. It's also about Dias de los Muertos. And if I didn't say it right, I don't know. Just, you know. You can write your nasty emails to me because I'm not going to answer them. It's the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, you know. My thing is not to really give you the facts, but talk to you about how it made me feel. So here I am at the time. Maybe I was 37 watching The Nightmare Before Christmas the first time with kids in my family. And I loved it. I thought, oh, my God. And, you know, yeah, you kind of think, oh, I should have watched this when I was 13. But then it's like, no, you know, that that's the thing with great albums. People always say, you know, you really should have listened to it when it came out. Well, then I wouldn't have been able to get ready for it. For me, great art, great film and great uh, albums are like a, a, a meal. You have to prepare for it. You can't just scarf it down. You know, it has to, you know. It has to taste right. And, you know, that I could say that about The Nightmare Before Christmas. I, I watched it at the time that I was supposed to watch it. You know, I'm not going to go back. Oh, my God. I should have gone back. You know, it's always those people who want to go back and redo things. You can't do that. That's not how it works. You know, if any of you know anything about Doctor Who, you're going to go back and disrupt the space continuum. And you're going to mess things up. Hmm? You know, maybe that's what we'll talk about in the coming weeks. Keeping with the Halloween theme. There is a Stephen King novel called 112263. 
And I think you know what that's about. And that's about going back and changing history and how all these little worlds open up when you mess with, with, with time like that. Time is already fixed. You can't go back and undo it. So I could say that about The Nightmare Before Christmas. I watched it at the time where I could appreciate it because I really did appreciate it. It didn't surprise me that I loved it. It was almost like, oh, finally, I'm watching The Nightmare Before Christmas. And, you know, by that time, I had already bought some Funko Pops for the kids. So I was aware of Sally and I was aware of Jack. You know, now Sally, I think, is worth 52 bucks. Jack is like 23. I do have a glow-in-the-dark Jack skeleton that we'll, we're going to do with the Halloween theme. He was not cheap. And and that's the thing. It's the night, the Nightmare Before Christmas merchandising. Very lucrative. You know, the movie is so amazing and so legendary. And, and you know, everyone wants a piece of it. And that's the beauty of this film is that you can have a piece of this film. You can. And you can sing the songs. You can listen to the soundtrack. You know, it went on to win, or it didn't win, too bad. It was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, a first for an animated film. At 76 minutes, and it felt a little longer than that. So, music by Danny Elfman, who also did the singing voice of Jack Skeleton. The Dog Zero. <sighs> yeah. Oh, this is interesting. Elfman was initially cast as Jack's singing voice, and after the songs were recorded, Sarandon was cast to match Elfman's voice style. Didn't know that. So, you know, sing that song, the Oogie Boogie song. You know, this is Halloween. Oh, my favorite is What Is This? When he lands in Christmas Town. And he, he can't believe, oh, it's a Christmas tree, you know? And yeah, there's no pumpkins. It's kind of funny to watch them all kind of change things around. Going from Halloween Town to Christmas. But they do Christmas their own way. And that's the beauty of the Nightmare Before Christmas. This is about imagination, okay? Jack has a, a vision. He sees Christmas Town. He's like, you know, maybe we could do that too. No, you know, and people were telling him, Jack, you can't do this. And he does it anyway. And he learns something from it. And it's and it's kind of cute to watch them get ready, you know, these ghosts with Christmas presents rather than pumpkins, you know. Trying or the band trying to learn jingle bells, but they're playing it in such a dark, ominous, Halloween-esque way. <sighs> yeah. So the Nightmare Before Christmas came out two days before Halloween, October 29th, 1993, directed by Fred, or no, Henry, Henry Selleck, produced by Tim Burton, Danny Elfman, Chris Sarandon, Catherine O'Hara, William Hickey, Glenn Saddix, Paul Rubens, Ken Page, and Ed Ivory. The Nightmare Before Christmas. Now, I earlier had dedicated tonight's episode to someone whom I didn't know very well, but, you know, they had a very whimsical nature. You know, they were also 
quite a flirt um, and their humor was interesting and so Jamal I want to dedicate this show to you tonight wherever you are and to your friends trust me we're talking about the nightmare before Christmas ghosts he's wreaking havoc somewhere it's not over until it's over unpleasant dreams <laughs> 